Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. You know, I ask myself questions all the time. Is that thought 100% true and is it helpful to me? And I don't think I've ever answered yes to any of the things that I'm thinking. This week, I met with Tash, someone who's been bullied for years at school. But more importantly, she let that experience determine how she lives her life today. Her pain is and was considerable. And we spend time talking about how she's going to leave that story behind and create the kind of future that she really, really wants. Tash, welcome. It's really lovely to see you. Tell me, who's Tash? So Tash in working life runs a sales team. And Tash at home is the person who spends all of her time looking after her friends and her family. I enjoy making sure that everybody else is okay. So I spend a lot of my time walking, running, checking in on friends, probably over over making sure that they're fine rather than myself. So I know from when I was a little girl, I was bullied in primary school. And one of the things that always stuck by me was, why can't people be kind? So I sometimes get feedback from friends that say, okay, we understand that you want to make sure that we're okay, but you you need to take care of yourself. And, and I think it's always been a bit of a, I don't know, a coping mechanism is making sure everyone else is okay rather than myself. So what was the impact of being bullied, do you think, on you? I think it's it's changed everything I do, like literally everything. Um, the way that I interact with people, the decisions that I make the confidence that I have in myself or somebody else. I know that I often look at everything in the worst possible scenario. So I was in a job for 10 years that I thought I loved and I loved elements of it, but I was never happy going to work every day. I used to come home and think, I can't do this anymore, but I'm not good enough to find another job or I couldn't possibly apply for another role because I just can't do it. And it plays out in things like relationships. I will know that I I can prepare myself for the worst possible case that, well, they might not like me or what happens if I do this and if someone sees me without makeup on, then they might say something nasty. So it plays out in literally every thought of every minute of every day. It got to a point, I think, probably two years ago where it was controlling my life. The way in which I thought I wouldn't do anything that even if I really wanted to do something, I wouldn't allow myself to be vulnerable for it to have any knock-on effect. So I couldn't risk it going wrong because I was so scared that somebody might say something nasty that I just didn't want to change anything. So I used to create a routine that I know that on a morning, if I got up and I walked the dog... And I did the things that I wanted to do before work, that there'd be some sort of enjoyment before I got to the office. And I knew that deep down I could probably change it. But I was so scared and I knew that there was part of me controlling, telling me that your teachers always said you weren't good enough or that you'd never make a career. Or you had people who bullied you that told you 
you were thick or that you didn't look the right way. I just used to think about it all the time and I'd lie in bed and I'd say to myself, yeah, I have got a problem or no, I'm not good enough or I can't do that. Firstly, what strikes me is what clarity you have right now. Clarity of how you chose to react unconsciously to what happened to you. How long did the bullying last for? I'd say it started when I was about six or seven and it went on until I went to secondary school. And the only difference, it was still there a little bit in year seven and year eight. There was a, a best friend that I had, a girl called Ellie. And everyone always used to go, Tash is the confident one. Ellie is the quiet one. And we both used to stick together because we were both bullied by the same people. And we were like this little duo that were inseparable. And then when we got to secondary school, I wanted to go where Ellie was going because I knew that she was my comfort blanket. We got to secondary school and we had a family wedding and I got a phone call whilst we were away to say that Ellie had had a brain hemorrhage whilst we whilst playing sport. And I didn't really understand what that was at the time. When we got back, I remember sitting in my worst lesson history and it was the end of the day. All the head teachers came in and all like the board and I just knew something wasn't right and um, she died. <laughs> And um, it was like your comfort blanket and the person who had got you through like your really difficult times just then wasn't there anymore. And I think as much as like the nastiness stopped because I think people realised like how serious it now was, it was obviously nothing to do with anything that could have been helped and it was just a medical trauma, I suppose, but... I think people then realised like how cruel it was to say the nasty things and how much of an impact it had had. So it naturally kind of stopped at that point. But then it was taken over by, I lost all my confidence at that point because I didn't want to go to school without her. I didn't want people to then feel sorry for me because she wasn't there anymore. So I kind of just kept myself to myself for a little bit. And then... I switched completely to being like the class clown and the class idiot because I thought that's what people would want and that's why people would like me. And it worked for a small period of time, but my friends changed all the time. I never had one stable group, probably until I was about 14, when I really knew that certain people would, no matter how I behaved, would always still laugh with me or want to spend time with me. I never used to know why when you have school sleepovers and different bits and pieces, I'd never ask people to come and stay at my house because I was so scared that when I used to have sleepovers when I was younger, they would always go back and go, you don't get pudding if you go to her house. Something stupid like that because those are the things that people focused on when you're six or seven. So when I got older, I didn't want to go to anybody else's house or I didn't want to go to the school discos. I wanted to stay as as comfortable and as safe almost as possible so I would just stay at home and it switched very much to teachers then who would go you're not good enough or you're not focusing on this or why would you not want to socialize with your friends that even more so I, I just hated school and I hated being there. So what I'm hearing is that some pretty awful things happened to you as a child. You created a set of behavioral responses to protect yourself 
and keep yeah. yourself safe. And it feels like they've driven the kind of adult you've become and the kind of life that you've created for yourself. Yes. I still very much play it safe or try to protect myself. Are you ready to let that go? Are you ready to let the story and the beliefs and the thinking that has driven your behaviour to date, are you actually ready to let them go? Because it feels to me like they've become so much part of your self-concept, so much part of how you see yourself and why you see yourself behave, why you choose certain behaviours. I guess my question is, is are you ready to let it go and choose who you become for the rest of your life? I have to, because I think... Ah, but that's not the question, is it? (laughs) No. I am ready because I know some of the things that have already changed. I would never have done before Ivy House. I think the first two days when we go through the, the, you know, you score yourself from, I think, is it zero to ten on who you are at work and who you are at home? And my numbers were a 10 at work and a 2 at home. And I remember Darren saying to me, Tash, why are you two different people? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But that's me at work and that's me at home. And he said, so that's two different people. Which person are you? And I, and I just sat back and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what person I am. And I, and I had to spend probably the past year asking myself some very difficult questions like, does that make you happy? I remember going into work every day and thinking to myself, I hate this job, but why do I hate it? So you've been on a journey. It sounds like you you came... When did you come to Ivy House? A couple of years ago? About 18 months ago now. 18 months ago. You were on a journey and then you you, you hit Ivy House. You're like, oh my God. And, and all of a sudden, it is a bit like that sometimes, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're confronted with some really deep and powerful questions to go, so who am I and what kind of life do I want to create and how am I showing up to the world and what's important to me and why is this not making me happy and what would make me happy? All of those questions. So, And I know you've made some massive changes as a result of that. I left my job without a job to go to which would have been unheard of for somebody who plays safe with everything. Mm. And then I wanted to travel because I've always wanted to travel, but I knew that wasn't safe and that something could go wrong. So you found incredible courage, which you'd never accessed before. Yeah. And you went off and did some traveling. Yes. So you're on a real journey of self-discovery, aren't you? You're on a journey of what I would call coming home reconnecting to the person that you were born to be. I often think about it like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, we're born here at the base, but then actually life hits us and we sort of almost deform and create this sort of persona, which was nothing to do with the person we were meant to be. What's happening for you now is you're basically going, actually, I've, I've created all these habits, all of these beliefs, all of these ways of seeing the world. I've got to be, and I'm going to go back in a minute to the, I I do everything for everyone else because I think kindness is important. You do everything for everyone else because you want everyone to love you because you're so scared of anyone being mean to you. Mm. Yeah? 
Yeah. Because actually in your world, it's not okay for someone not to like you. Yeah. People have to like you for you to be happy. Well, the longer we spend time being externally validated, that means we rely on others to make us happy. We're never going to find our happiness. This is a good time to ask yourself whether or not you are so worried about other people's opinions that you're losing who you were meant to be. To experience inner calm and inner strength, we have to get to a place where we're okay with who we are and let go of the need of others to validate our existence. Happiness is an inside job. It's about liking who we are. It's about liking the life that we live. And what I'm hearing with you is a story of somebody that had all sorts of things happen to them and quite understandably created a persona and a self-concept that kept people away to a certain extent, kept them safe didn't take any risks in case I was ridiculed or somebody disagreed with the decision I'd made. And now is going, because they they were confronted with a whole load of questions around who are you and are you two people and do you want to be two people, do you want to be one person and how does all that work, has gone, ah, there's a different and there's a better way. And you started to take that journey in massive, massive strides. So I'm going to go back to my question. Are you prepared to let go of that story of you that you have been carrying around in a rucksack on your back for so long? Yes, because it's not me. No. And it doesn't make me happy. And I actually used the word selfish the other day to a friend. I said, I've almost turned selfish. And she said, I'd never use that word to describe you if... I was, if someone was to ask me about who you were. And I think, like you say, I was so waiting for everybody to give me reassurance that in at work, there's, there's no possible way I could have a contradictory answer to somebody else because what happens if that then meant they didn't like me? Yeah. So I would make decisions based on the majority of the vote. And it started to change over the years. And I'd be like, no, that's not right. Or no, I, I don't agree with this. And almost I then had the voice that I've always probably had, but I just never used. You've always had, it's not probably. Yeah. <laughs> You've always had a voice. You're born with a voice, right? So given what we've just talked about, given that you, you have your story, you're ready to let go of your story. What's the question you want to bring to me today? I suppose I don't know how to let go of it. I want it to to go and not have this control of, you know, I ask myself questions all the time. Is that thought 100% true and is it helpful to me? And I don't think I've ever answered yes to any of the things that I'm thinking. And I know sometimes what I need to do, but I just don't know fully how to let go of it. Let's imagine I was a magician and I could enter your brain (laughs) and I could take out any of those thoughts that you've spent 30 odd years hanging out with. I made it impossible for them to come into your head. How would you feel every day? I think just less anxious that something's going to go wrong or that if I make a choice that I need someone else to reassure me it's the right choice. 
So I'm going to ask you to reframe your language because you just said, I would feel less anxious. What's a feeling that doesn't involve anxiety? Calm, just just happiness, I suppose, and content. Yeah. Whereas I sit with a knot in my stomach knowing that I want to change something. But I've just got worry okay. constantly that it's going to go wrong. So your question to me is, how do I let go of the story that I am carrying with me? What are you laughing about? <laughs> because I know it's a, it's just a thought. And it, and... Ah, let's be careful with this. It's just a thought thing. Right. So I, there's a couple of things here, right? There's a couple of things here we need to talk about. Firstly, you have a story about your history. Now, yeah. I'm going to challenge you and say, I suspect not everybody in your life was unkind to you. No. Were there people that were kind to you in your life as you grew up? Yes. Were you shown love? Yes. Belonging? Yeah. <laughs> Did people appreciate you? Yes. So, you know, you didn't tell me about any of that in your story. No, I didn't. So you've created a story. I'm not saying these things didn't happen, by the way, at all. <laughs> but you're seeing your past through a very narrow lens. I suspect while all of these things were going on, you also had love and friendship and family and belonging. Yes. And I think I'm focusing too much on the negative things than I am on what what the positive elements were because I look at some of the friendships that I've got and They've been my friends for 25 years. So you have friends now that you've been carrying with you since childhood? Yeah. Are they good friends? Very good friends, yeah. Right. So the first thing I want you to recognise here, Tash, is you've created a story, a, a, a small lens, a, a story that looks at one or two aspects of your past. And you're allowing that story to drive your future. This is a question for everyone. What stories are you carrying around with you right now that are driving the choices you're making today? It might be about not being attractive enough, not being clever enough, not being confident enough. Maybe you, you think you were born as a shy person. What are your stories? And are you prepared to let them go if they're not serving you? Now, I want you to imagine for a moment you're in a speedboat, okay? Let's make it a speedboat on the mare, this beautiful sunny day. <laughs> the water's really, really cool and it's blue, crystal, crystal water, okay? Now, to drive that boat, would you look forward or would you look backwards? Forwards. Forward. Are you sure about that? Well, I wobbled then, but I'd crash my boat if I didn't look forwards. <laughs> exactly, right? So if we're driving into the future, we look forward. What we don't do is look at the wake. Yes. Now what I'm hearing is you're allowing the wake to drive your story. And that's the bit I want to change. Yeah, so the first thing is, when we're at the front of our boat, in the med, looking forward, what might you see in front of you? You might see a beautiful beach, you might see a great bar that you wanna go and have lunch at, you might see <laughs> some amazing villas on the, on the hill. The question that you need to answer is, what's in your future there? What, what vision are you traveling toward? And I, I don't need to answer it now, but what, what vision are you traveling toward as opposed to 
what's in your wake. So my first piece of work for you, and I always hesitate to call it work because I think it's a great, great thing to do, is to really create that life vision. How do you want to wake up and feel? What kind of relationships do you want? Create the vision that you are traveling toward. And you don't need to give any attention to the one that came behind. See it as a rucksack full of memories and stories that you've been lugging around with you and just decide one day to take the rucksack off. Yes, it's heavy. It's a heavy rucksack. Here's another crucial question. How clear is your vision? Do you know where you're heading? Have you spent time thinking about what you'd love to create in your future? Or are you spending far too much time thinking about certain things that happened in the past and blaming that for your present? So I'm gonna go to the how question now, okay? So the first part was two parts I've mentioned already. One is recognizing that your story of the past is a a slice through the past. It's not the whole picture. There was a lot more in there that was good and loving and supportive. The second thing then is to recognize that if we wanna travel through life, it's a far better job to do it looking forward as opposed to do it looking back. Where are you heading to in that boat? What does it look like? And create a really, really detailed, amazing vision for you to travel forward. And then the third thing is every day we live in a thought-created experience. And as you know, we have between 12,000 to 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. Most of them we don't even notice. They don't even touch the sides. And we get a choice about which thoughts we hang out with. So there's a job for you around remembering that you are not your thinking. What I'm hearing in your story is that you've got completely caught up in your personal thinking. 100%. And it, it's so true when I sit and I think sometimes I want to do it, but I'm not allowing myself to be vulnerable because the negative thought is telling me it's going to go wrong or it could go wrong. How we think drives how we feel. Yeah. So you want to stop feeling that the certain way. Now, firstly, you're going to have feelings of fear and anxiety and all the rest of it because you're going to have thoughts of fear and anxiety. You're going to have those thoughts. But what you're doing right now, Tash, is you are grabbing them towards you, holding them tight and, and immersing yourself in them and living from that place. The more you can practice things like meditation, practicing separating yourself from your thinking, because you're not your thinking. And the more we remember that, the more we remember that, yes, we're going to get thoughts that are negative. We're going to get thoughts that are depressing. We're going to get thoughts that are super excited and joyful. The very nature of thought is that it passes through our head in and out all of the time. That the ones we decide to spend time with are the ones that are going to create the quality of our life. More positive thoughts is what I need to do. Not have more positive thoughts. You're going to get the thoughts you get. But don't hold on to them. You can, but you're going to have a really bad day if you choose to hold on to thoughts that make you feel rubbish. Now, people don't like me saying this because they don't like realising that they can change the quality of their life on a day-by-day -day basis. 
It's like they don't want to do the exercise, the brain exercises. So this is how it works, right? You're going to identify a whole load of habitual thinking that you have. Probably something about how you look. Are you bright enough? I don't know. Just give me three or four. It'll be something about, for work, for instance, I feel as though I don't know how I can do the job that I do and I'm not good enough to do it. So therefore, sometimes I'll go, don't try and get the next level or don't push yourself to the next one because you may be not good enough at the one that you do now. And sometimes I think like it's a fluke or it just happened and... Nobody realises how rubbish you actually are at your job. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so so here's here's an idea. You can have those thoughts, they can come in, and you can notice that. And the way you notice you're not hanging out with great thoughts is because you start to feel sad, depressed, anxious. That's how you notice you're not hanging out with great thoughts. And you go, ah, oh, I could think that. I could obsess about I'm not very good at my job. Or I could say, oh, so I've got here in my job. I'm now going to find out how I can improve. So I'm going to go and ask people for some feedback. They're going to tell me, well, actually, if you did this course or you learned this skill or you got better at that, and then I'm going to go, okay, right, now I'm going to take action to improve. I'm not saying that think you're the done deal and you're always perfect. I'm saying if you hang out with the thought of, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, that's going to end one way. If you hang out with the thoughts of how might I improve? How might I get better? What do I really love about this job? What don't I like so much? So I'm going to follow my career in this direction. You're going to have better days. And life is made up of minutes, hours, days. It's interesting because I saw a younger cousin at the weekend and she said to me, oh, it's so great to watch you and how happy you are. And I thought, oh, don't tell her that sometimes I don't feel that way. Because if she sees that, then that's great. She said, how did you get to where you are in your career? Because I know you didn't go to university. And I've always been told that you have to go to university to, to be successful. And I said to her, well, actually, I always used to think that success was when someone else told you that it was successful. And I said to her, I said, well you know, it's great that you think I'm successful, but what does success look like to you? And she was like, oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, but what a brilliant question. And I was like, well, you're not meant to know because I've spent 30 years thinking that success is what someone else thinks of me. And it's only now that I realise if I chose tomorrow to work at Morrison's because I loved scanning food through the checkouts and i got up every day and I was happy and I didn't come home and have those negative thoughts for me that that would be more successful than a day in the life of being a director and going to work and thinking well I'm just not good at this and I and I can't do that and and having the negative thoughts and and she said to me it's the most helpful question that anybody's ever asked her but it was a question I wish somebody had had given to me when I was that age. None of us should be measuring ourselves against anyone else. So what kind of life is right for us? But what I also heard you say is, oh, you know, I love seeing you so happy and all the rest of it. And you thought, I better not tell her that sometimes I'm not always happy. Yeah. We're human beings. We're it's we're built to feel sad at times. We're built to feel anxious at times or angry or frustrated. But the really important lesson is to teach her 
that she has a choice if she hangs out with that thinking for a long time. So what I'm hearing, Tash, is access to a hell of a lot of positive thinking and a hell of a lot of courage. And I just want to draw your attention to all of that. So you've done all of this in the recent past. You've hung out with thinking that serves you. Yeah, the ha- and it's happy thinking. Yeah. So I suspect when you went traveling, you will have had thoughts of what happens if this goes wrong or what happens if that goes wrong. <laughs> but you spent more time with the, oh my God, I'm so excited about going traveling. Yeah, and how amazing the experience was. The, the feeling of coming back, knowing that I've wanted to do it for such a long period of time and to go on my own, knowing that normally I would never do something like that because someone else could go with me and... And then I know if it went wrong, it would be fine. But I knew I had to do it on my own because there was part of me that wanted to prove to me that I could I could do things and, and even if it went wrong, I could fix it or I could make myself vulnerable and it was okay to be vulnerable and to see that what was the worst that could happen. Oh, 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 oh. What about what's, what's the, the best that could happen? <laughs> what's the best that could happen? What's the best that could happen? Yeah. And it was the best thing ever. Right. I had so, to come home early because of COVID, but it was the best thing ever. It was the best thing ever. So let me just give you another story for Tash. I'm the girl that is on a journey to get back to living my life, the life I was born to live. And in doing that, I have chosen to leave a job that didn't match my values. I have gone traveling and had an experience that was the best experience ever. I have amazing friendships that I've held with me since childhood. Yeah. How does that story feel? Like a the true Tash, like a story of that's what I want for me and for my future. Not don't do something because you're scared or think negatively that the bad is always going to happen because I think all the time I'm preparing for the worst whereas it's so much it's a such a nicer feeling to prepare for the best bad things happen right bad things happen but are we going to be more resourced to handle them if we're in a place of strength and belief and confidence definitely what I'd like to do is um move on to your letter if we may Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, I think I'm ready to do it. So, Tash at 17. Life is going to be tough and you are going to meet people who are going to be unkind to you. But it's not a reflection of you. You can be kind always. Not everyone is going to champion you, but focus on the people that will. They are the ones that you're going to need in your life. Your family and your friends love you for being you. So love yourself a little bit more. Don't doubt yourself so much. You are more than good enough. No one else's opinion matters more than your own. So you need to make sure you do what makes you happy and not what other people tell you to do. Your happiness is more important than being popular and having the very best grades or the highest paid job. Be brave and have the courage that I know that you have. It's okay to fail sometimes because you're not meant to be perfect. Help people if you can. But remember, it's more than okay to put yourself first. You're not selfish. It's okay to be vulnerable and to let other people in. 
So ask for help when you need it. Finally, allow yourself to be scared. You're not meant to have all of the answers. So take more risks and do what frightens you because you've only got the one opportunity to live your life. That's it. Love Tash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sending love Tash you a lots little bit of more. love. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. What do you think now you're reflecting on that letter? There's part of me that just almost wishes I had Ivy House earlier, but that when I get sad, it's okay to be sad. Yes. And I think sometimes it's okay not to be on your best. I I don't know, I, I put pressure on myself sometimes, I think, to make sure that you're supposed to be happy all the time and feel like everything's okay. And sometimes you just don't feel that way. Sometimes things aren't okay. And to be braver and drive my boat forwards and not mm. not get stuck behind. Definitely you need to turn away from the wake. Yeah. Let it let it go. Leave it behind you. It's not a true story anyway. No. It's certainly not a full true story. Yeah. So let it go. Put it down. Look forward. Create that vision. And then get into the habit of hanging out with thinking that generates more happy, joyful, brave, courageous, curious feelings. (laughs) And I know I make it sound simple and I am a living proof that it's not. But what I can absolutely tell you, having done this for so long and worked with literally thousands of people, that there is a point at which it just all kicks in and it feels so much easier. So yes, I might get really angry with my husband one morning when we have an argument, but literally probably 90 seconds in, I'm going, I'm creating this. I'm creating this anger. Sometimes I go, yeah, and I'm really enjoying it. But other times I just go, that's not who I want to be. So it's about getting into that habit of remembering we have choice. Yeah. So you have a choice about the life that you want to go and create now and how you want to feel most of the time. That's down to you. I can do it. I know you can. (laughs) All right, I'm sending you lots and lots of love. Thank you. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers and corporate organizations if you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast please share it and to hear more please subscribe to find out more about ivy house you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk